Hi everyone and welcome to the Money Mentors Podcast. My name is Glenn Fairburn and I co-host this program with Nathan Lear. We're both directors and private client advisors at Hewson Private Wealth, which is one of Australia's leading independent financial planning and wealth management firms. Um, as we've said many times, the objective of this podcast is to improve financial literacy and financial awareness. Um, so what we thought we'd talk about today is bonds. So looking at corporate and government bonds, trying to go through some of the main terms that you might hear about when you're perhaps reading about bonds or looking to invest in bonds. Um, and we'll also have a bit of a chat about how they can be an effective component of any portfolio. Um, just as a little bit of a warning, we are doing this podcast remotely. Um, so there are a few dropouts, but I'd really um, ask for your patience. Um, so on that note, I hope you enjoy the podcast. I'm recording from now. Um, okay. Whenever you're ready to start, just go for it. Sure. Okay. All right. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Money Mentors Podcast. Today, Glenn and I wanted to have a discussion around a, a type of investment uh, called bonds, which uh, most people out there are probably quite familiar with the, the, the term bond, but maybe don't quite know the intricacies of what a bond is, how they work. So uh, one of our main objectives of the podcast is to uh, educate our, our listeners on uh, different types of investments. We probably do tend to focus quite a lot on um, on shares and property, probably get a little bit more attention than, um, than fixed income type of investments such as a bond. So, um, Glenn, to, to kick off uh, this discussion today, um, we're just chatting off air that the, um, the, the, the bond market is a very, very large market, like arguably you know, bigger than a lot of equity markets. So um, maybe, Glenn, to start off, you can you just had a couple of stats on the, the size of the bond market. Then we'll maybe talk through um, what a bond is and how it actually operates. Yeah, so within Australia, if we're looking at the... Um the bond market, you can basically break it down into two segments or two main segments, one being corporate bonds, um, which are effectively bonds issued by companies. And we'll explain what bonds are and how they operate. Um, but we've got corporate bonds, which are issued by companies. Um, and then you've got Australian government bonds. Um, as to the size of, of those asset classes, in Australia, the corporate bond market's about $1.1 trillion. Um, and when you combine that with the um, Australian government bonds, the total size of that bond market is about $1.8 trillion, which to put into context is, is the same as the ASX 300. Um, so we're talking about you know, a massive asset class here that, as, as you were saying, Nathan, I think probably gets neglected a fair bit uh, because of the, um, I suppose, more general attraction towards shares and property. But as I was saying, it, it, it's a massive asset class that um, I wouldn't say institutional investors neglect, but perhaps a lot of, you know, mum and dad investors or, or retail type investors may not have exposure to. Glenn, would you think that the, the reason that's neglected is due to the, the more defensive nature of bonds? So, I mean, bond, we'll talk about bonds in a moment where they can go up and down in value, but you know, generally speaking, you get a fixed rate of return. So um, maybe, you know, the, the attraction isn't there because it's, it's you know, you're not going to get maybe significant uplift like you can on a property or a, an equity investment? Do you think that's part of the reason why it's often neglected? Yeah, look, I, I think so. I think it maybe is part of that, the return characteristic of bonds. Um, but, but I think even further than that, up until, you know, the last couple of years, it's actually been very difficult to get access to bonds because it is very much viewed as what's called a wholesale market. So 
traditionally in order to buy a bond, one bond you'd have to buy a minimum parcel of $500,000. So for, for a lot of retail or mum and dad investors, they just haven't been able to access um, this part of the market. But So I think there's probably a number of things which impact um, you know, why people haven't invested in bonds. I think understanding the asset class is one, um, but I think even more simplistically than that, it's just for a lot of people, how do they access it? Because you can't go on the ASX and buy a bond. Um, so I think it's an asset class that's very difficult to, um, to access. Sure, definitely. I think that's, that, that's a good point. So maybe, Glenn, we'll just have a, a quick chat about uh, the mechanics of a bond, just for the, some of our listeners that may not be too familiar with, with bond, what bonds are and how they work. So it falls within the, um, the asset class of, of fixed income. Uh, simply, it's where an investor lends money to an entity, which is usually a government or a company, as you spoke about corporate um, bonds before, Glenn. So, so usually a government or, or corporate. So investors, like anybody, basically is lending money to, um, to a company or a government. Um, to Usually they lend money so to fund their operations or projects. So if it's a government, it might be for big infrastructure projects or if it's a company just for their ongoing operations. You know, it could be an expansion, new factory, something like that. Um, so they lend them money um, for a set period of time, which is the, the maturity, which could be, it could be a shorter dated bond, could be a year or two, it could be a, you know, a 10, 20, 30 year bond in some cases. Um, and probably the other final point I was going to make is just the, um, the, the, the type of interest can either be fixed or variable. Um, and that can have uh, significant implications on how the bond is priced and the, the movements going forward, which we'll talk about um, in, in a moment. So, Glenn, any any other points you'd like to mention, just in terms of you know, explaining a bond in simple terms? Yeah, look, I think just looking at the main terms that you'll hear about when you're looking at bonds or when people are talking about bonds. Um, as you were saying, Nathan, a bond is effectively a way for a company or a government to raise money or borrow money um, from investors, and the way they do that is by effectively selling um, securities, which in this case would would be a bond. Um, and, and generally, the price of that bond, so if you wanted to buy one bond, is usually $100. And that $100 is what's referred to as the face value. Um, so, that, so that's the minimum amount in a bond that you can buy. Um, obviously, you can buy multiple parcels of that, but effectively, they're usually issued in $100 parcels, which, as I said, is, is the face value. Um, and, and, as, and that's like the principal amount of the loan. So that, that's the amount of the loan that will be repaid to you at the end of that maturity. Um, and, and just another term that's commonly used is coupon. Um, so as an investor in a bond, so if you buy a corporate bond or a government bond, um, in return for lending money, um, you'll receive, receive a coupon. And that is effectively the annual interest paid as a percentage of the face value. So if it's a five, if, if, if your bond has a face value of $100 and the coupon's $5 per annum, then the interest rate on that bond um, is five percent per annum. So very simplistically, they're the, they're the, I suppose, the main terms that you might hear about with the bond. So once again, face value, which is the principal amount of the loan, uh, coupon, which is your annual interest rate that that you'll receive as an as an investor in return for the hundred dollar loan, um, and then you've got the maturity date, which, as you said, Nathan, can really be any time, but usually over five, ten, and twenty years. Sure. So I mean, there's some there's some good terms to kind of get an understanding of, uh, of, of, of what a bond is and how they work. So, 
Glenn, I might. I think a good place to go now might might be to talk around talk about the whole interest rate piece because um, interest rates can significantly impact um, the, which a lot of maybe people don't understand, um, can impact the the price or the value or the face value of a bond. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we'll have a quick chat about that now. So maybe we'll, I'll start with an example. So let's say you you purchase a bond where it's paying a um, in your example, Glenn, let's say it's a $100 bond, it's paying a, a five, $5 coupon, which, which implies interest rate, the interest rate at the time is 5%. So um, you're getting your coupon, um, and then, but let's say interest rates move. So let's say interest rates go up a percent to, to 6%. So what that basically means now is that um, if interest rates go up, the, the, the price of the bond will generally fall. So it's an inverse relationship in terms of um, the, 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 the coupon and the, and the value of the bond, or the interest rate, I should say, and the, and the value of the bond. Um, now, the reason for that is think of it like this. If, if, you're, getting, um, if you're getting a 5% um, coupon on your initial bond, but interest rates go up to 6%, there'd be new, issue, new issuances of bonds where investors can, can get 6%. So that existing bond that you have is now less, va- less valuable because you're getting 5%. So that'll drive the price down. Now, how much the price will go down, maybe we'll talk about in a moment, but that, that's generally relating to the, um, the maturity of the bond. So how many, how many years it has left to run. Um, so, and then just to, to tidy off on that example, going the other way, if interest rates go down to, let's say, 4%, but you're getting 5% on your bond in that initial example, well, the market is paying less than what you're getting, so your bond is more attractive now. Um, so, in theory, the, the, the value of your bond will go up. So, I just wanted to have a quick chat around that. Yeah, the sensitivity of bonds around interest rates. Now, they can just... Just one final point: they can move up or up or down throughout the lifetime of the bond. But if you have a, um, a fixed rate bond and you hold that to maturity, just bear in mind that you will get back your maturity of a hundred dollars. So if that's in five years' time, the bond can, you know, it can go up to one hundred and ten. It can go down to ninety dollars. But if you hold it for that five-year term, um, just bear in mind that you'll get a hundred dollars back at the end of that period. Yeah, and, and Nathan, I suppose. Um that's probably part the reason where people get a little bit confused with how bonds operate. But essentially the reason why the price of the bond can fluctuate is because it is, as soon as you invest in a bond um, and, and then it's traded on a secondary market. So a secondary market being an open marketplace where the bond can be bought, bought and sold by investors. That's where the price does fluctuate. And as you were saying, once the bond is on the secondary market, the price of that bond doesn't necessarily reflect what the face value is. Um, so it, it can change and it's driven by market forces. And as, as you're explaining, Nathan, those market forces are primarily what the interest rate environment is. And, and I suppose just, just to explain that further, Nathan, just moving into the technicalities, the, the sensitivity of the bond price movement relative to any movement in interest rate is largely driven by Um, what's called the duration. Um, So in very simplistic terms, the duration of a mortgage is very closely aligned to the maturity. So say, for example, you have a bond that that matures in six years, then arguably the duration will be six. So what that means is that for every one percentage movement in interest rates, then the price of the bond will change by 6%. 
So, for example, you have a bond, we'll use the earlier example, where you've got a bond issued at $100 and it's got a coupon of 5%. And let's just say the duration is six. So, effectively, the term is, is six years. Now, if interest rates move from 5% to 6%, so a 1% movement, given that the duration is six, the price of the bond should theoretically fall from $100 to $94. And as you explained, the reason for that, Nathan, is that if you have new bonds on issue that are paying a higher rate of income, then those new bonds become more attractive. So investors will sell out of the, the uh, bond with the 5% coupon and look to buy the bond with the 6% coupon. So that's why in a rising interest rate environment, um, the price of bonds can fall. However, as we've experienced um, probably over the last 10 years or so in, in what has been you know, a, a quite a dramatic reduction in interest rates, bonds that, that have been issued many years ago have become more valuable. So it's not uncommon now to look at government bonds or corporate bonds that were issued, say, five to 10 years ago that are trading well above um, their face value because you know, th those bonds that perhaps were paying higher coupons um, are, are very attractive. And, and as an investor, you might, you might think, well, why would I want to pay $110 for a bond that's only going to return me $100 in capital in, in 10 years' time. The reason you would do that is because the superior interest return or the superior coupon that you're receiving over that 10-year period actually more than compensates you for that capital loss that you'll incur down the track. Um, so th that's why, you know, from a bond perspective, they are, I suppose, a fairly complex instrument, um, but they can be... I suppose, a very um, effective investment in, 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 in a downward moving market, but also in a falling interest rate environment, um, but also as a defensive asset class in a falling equity market. Um, did you want to perhaps talk about that, Nathan, with, with regards to, you know, why would you include bonds within a portfolio? De definitely. Um, yeah, there's a couple of reasons why you'd, you'd include bonds in a portfolio. For, firstly, the the reliable income stream. Now, if you invest in a bond, it pays, it, it does pay that um, that coupon or that fixed rate of income. So now look, that can move as, as interest rates change and, you know, depending if it's a, a fixed or a variable loan and that impacts on the capital as we just spoke about a moment ago. But that's probably the main reason that you'd be a, an investor in bond for the, the reliable income stream. Um, at the same time, it adds a lot of uh, diversification benefits into a portfolio. And um, I just spoke, spoke about um, the fact that uh, some of the negative correlation benefits earlier where um, they can move in different directions to, to, um, to other, other markets. So in particular shares and property. And, and I know we've spoken about this a few times. If you look at, um, if you look back at some of the over many, many years, often um, in, in strong, in, in strong equity markets or property markets, um, uh, bonds will underperform and vice versa in weak equity markets and property markets, bonds can out, outperform. So um, it can provide diversification benefits within a portfolio also. Anything to add there, there, Glenn? Yeah, I suppose just expanding on why bonds um, can, can form a you know, core component of a portfolio, as you were saying, Nathan, they are viewed as a defensive asset class. Um, the reason being that if you looked at the, you know, in investment markets or, or investment management, we, we always talk about or quite often talk about risk versus return. So generally the higher... Um, the return an investment can generate, the higher the risk that, that could be inherent within that investment. 
Um, if we compare bonds with equities, um, bonds are, are generally viewed as lower risk than equities because in, in the worst case scenario, if we're looking at a corporate bond, um, and, and let's just say, for example, that company is um, under financial difficulty or, or it becomes bankrupt, then equity holders could lose all their money, but bondholders rank a lot higher up the chain. So they are viewed as, as, a, as a safer investment. And if we're looking at the most secure investment available, arguably it is, it is a government bond. So during times of uncertainty, so if there's a concern about the global economy, the domestic economy or equity markets or any sort of growth asset, generally what will happen is that people will be more inclined to look at investing in, in things like bonds. So whether that's government bonds or corporate bonds. So they, they do become a lot more attractive um, and, and the price of those bonds can go up. So what can happen, for example, is that if equity markets are falling, if the price of bonds are going up because they're becoming more attractive and investors are looking for a, for a safe haven, that, that's where having bonds within your portfolio can minimise the impact of an equity downturn or a property downturn. Um, so, so that's effectively why they, they do become so attractive because they provide that reliable income stream um, but also minimise the impact of a downturn. Yeah, I think that point, Glenn, about um, the... The capital structure is really important where bondholders are paid out, pay, essentially paid out first. So you know, if, a, if a business does go, go under or bankrupt, you know, the bondholders in, in many cases will often get all their, um, all their capital back where equity holders won't. Um, and, and just in expanding on that a little bit further in terms of the, the, um, the, 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 the rating of the issuer of the bond, um, you know, for example, um, the Australian government um, is, is AAA rated, so that's the the most secure um, rating you could ask for. So, generally, the the security or the the, the rating will um, will impact the the income return. So, quite often, you'll get a that'll reflect a much lower interest rate to investors because of the, the safety of that investment. Where if you invest in a in a corporate bond corporate bond over a uh, let's say a I don't know a mining company, for example. Um, that might be a little bit more risky. The, the uh, credit rating might in, in, could be much lower in that situation, so it could command a, a much higher interest rate. So you, maybe you're getting, you know, six, seven, eight percent, but uh, at the same time, it could be a lot more, uh, a lot more risky for the investor. Yeah, and, and just expanding on that with regards to credit ratings, um, j just uh, I suppose a, a term or, or something to look out for when perhaps looking at investing in bonds is. You might, have hear, you might hear the term investment grade bonds. Um, so as, as you were saying, Nathan, there's, there's various ratings from you know, triple, triple A to what's called a, a junk bond. So a junk bond is, is essentially any bond with a credit rating of triple B or, or but below that. So double B, double B minus, B rated and so forth. Now, just, just to, I suppose, explain how, how from a risk perspective bonds are perceived, if you look throughout history, um, and in particular focused on investment grade bonds, so those bonds with a, with a credit rating of triple B and above, the default rate is less than 2%. So if you're looking for an investment within your portfolio that's, that's low risk and will provide capital protection um, and you're focusing on those that are at least investment grade, the risk of capital loss is, is obviously quite low. Yeah, yeah, great, great point. And, um, you know, d definitely some points that 
investors should be uh, considering when putting bonds in their portfolio. They, you know, they do need to understand the credit rating because that, you know, that kind of, although the, the, that example you pointed out is, is, is um, you know, quite important where defaults aren't that high for a highly high, higher rated bond, it's still important that investors know that. Um, <clears throat> Glenn, any other points that, that you wanted to um, have a chat about in terms of bonds? Yeah, um, look, maybe just, 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 one, just one comment I that I'll, that I'll make. About trading them early. Yeah, so look, I suppose just, just one thing that I wanted to um, touch on, quite often people look at the returns on bonds and say, well, am I better off just investing in term deposits? Um, and, and I suppose that that is a very valid um, comment to make. Um, but what, the, what you need to bear in mind with um, a bond is that when you buy a bond, you know with absolute certainty, so long as the underlying issuer um, is, is creditworthy and maintains that creditworthiness. You've got absolute certainty over the the duration of that bond, what your income return will be. So if you buy a five-year bond with a coupon of 5%, you know that you're going to get a 5% return over that five-year period. Now, if you're looking at term deposits, um, that may not be the case because depending on whether you're buying a five-year term deposit, but if you buy a six-month term deposit, Yes, for that first six months, it may be uh, 5%, but if the interest rate markets move and, and rates go down, um, you may find yourself with a lower interest rate. So they're just, just a few things um, to bear in mind. Um, Nathan, that's probably the main things that I wanted to chat about today. Um, as per last week, we are doing this um, remotely today so th there has been a few dropouts I, I think with this so i appreciate your patience but um just before we wind things up nathan is there anything else that you wanted to chat about no glenn happy to wrap it up there no problem well, look on, on that note we'll hope today's podcast has been um insightful as we're saying bonds are a very complex um investment but one that you know can form a very important component of, of your portfolio um, very much a defensive type asset class, which generally perform well in a um, falling interest rate environment, but also in an environment where perhaps equity markets aren't performing uh, so well. Um, so on that note, we'll, we'll, we'll close there, but look forward to uh, speaking to you all again next week. Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the, the content, please do subscribe to the podcast. Um, via um, any good po podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just, just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, thanks again. We'll see you next week.